And we should be live. Zach, take it away. Okay, I guess that we are live, and I'm going to pretend that my Twitch audio isn't blaring in my own ears, so I'm not dealing with a uh, bunch of feedback. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to SEGC Live. Uh, Resident Game Dads John and Derek are out this week, which means the kids are running the show. Uh, it is just the six of us tonight. It is a small group, but I want to throw it first uh, to our resident host in the Great White North, Jeff. Say what's up, buddy. How's it going? Reb? Hi. Good evening. <laughs> Finn? Hello. Maddie? Hi. And Big Boston himself? Hi, everyone. My name my name's <laughs> Justin. So. Come on, you guys. The dads are gone. Why the are we not working? I'm trying to raise us up. Okay, I'm, so I'm sorry I'm not busting enough tonight. That's, Thank you. I apologize. Chat says there's no sound. Good. That's sweet. Um, yes. Although people are responding to things that we're saying, as well as other people saying no sound. Hang on, let me so, see. Oh. Mixed messages there. Can someone who isn't John tell I us hear if myself. we have sound? John, I hear un myself. Unmute the stream, John. I bet you have it muted because you usually have it muted. It's probably okay, John. Everybody else has <laughs> has sound. John just doesn't. John, have John, John, we have disabled your sound for the <laughs> evening. Wonderful. Wonderful. Dad. He's not running the stream. He's causing Dad, technical issues. <laughs> sound is back. Yeah, good cover. All right. We're bringing it back around. Listen. So, Justin, you could kick John from the chat now. <laughs> John's I, I told you. He had it muted. I told you. Oh, God. <laughs> God. Welcome. I, guys, guys, I can't ban him from the chat because he's posting from the official account. Oh, so you can't uh, be banning the podcast from our own <laughs> chat. Is it time? You know, forget all our topics tonight. Is it time we talk about putting John in a home? Mm. <laughs> Is he ready? Can we afford yes. it? She's, That's our new Patreon. Some... We definitely cannot I'm... afford it. But I mean, our new Patreon is... I love the guy that every Thanksgiving, keep... every Thanksgiving he shows up with his bad video game opinions that I do. Right. By the way, is now a good time to talk about how bad Final Fantasy is? Let's, um, no, no. Let's specifically worst. talk about 15. Yeah, 15, 15 is a disaster. Not only, I think the great thing about 15 is that it automatically ranks itself in a top 15 list. <laughs> Yeah, true. So, uh, do, do you, by the way, you know what's a good game? Witcher Three. I, I, I like. like I like Witcher Three a Ooh. lot. In the combat in yeah. Witcher Three is, yeah, yeah, like girl, oh, like dances yeah. around and everything. Yeah. Oh, it's it's. You know beautiful. what? I, I I can't wait because I want someone to clip this moment where everyone on the podcast agrees the official SDGC position is Witcher Three combat is great. It's good. So, I haven't played it, but I assume it's great. Hey, it just, yeah. it must, surely it must be. Yeah, it has to be. Okay. Yeah, there's no way it's you're, you're correct. You're correct in your assumption, Reb. <laughs> listen, we should probably pretend we have topics tonight. So listen, we have a lot. What have people been playing? Have we, besides, besides Metro, what have people been playing? Finn, have you been, have you been doing anything? What games have you been up to, buddy? I have been streaming Kingdom Hearts 3 live on the SDGC channel. You um, yeah. Every chance I get. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, and you're are you almost done or did you finish it? I feel like you I don't close, know. Right? I I don't know. I just finished Pirates of the Caribbean World. Okay. Uh, I don't know what's next. Uh, a whole bunch of bullshit Kingdom Hearts plot stuff. Cool. Um, because for those unaware, 
the uh the whole twist is i have not played kingdom hearts since 2006's kingdom hearts 2 so the entirety of the plot is it's been amazing to try and parse it together uh and a good friend kogasu has been with me every single stream and we have been uh debating and trying to figure out the plot together and it's been a delight finn do you love that and you can also scene... watch you can also watch those on our youtube as well yeah they're, they're archived so, i have been they're archived on twitch and they're on youtube so if you yeah. want to check those out go right ahead all right uh so sorry maddie what were you asking do, me do you love that every scene with organization 13 members is just them showing up kind of talking a little shit at sora and then and he's then like i'm away. gonna defeat you and then they just disappear yeah, and that's it <laughs> yeah my favorite is uh trying to remember anyone's name my favorite thing want. about kingdom hearts <laughs> is anytime i see someone tweet just a bunch of words that make no sense it, yeah. i can always tell that they're just talking about kingdom hearts especially <laughs> if the ratio of x to yeah it's like what mortal kombat does with the k but with an um, x real, yeah. real talk I have debated turning it into an on-stream drinking game that any time we find out someone else is living inside Sora's heart, I have to take a shot. But I think we're up to like 17 people now, so oh who, the, who even knows? I don't even know. That's kind of funny uh, that like I used to kind of think of that as not really a drinking game, but sort of like keeping a head count of how many Ansoms there were going oh through the series. And so now we're up to how many people are in Sora's heart. That's Great. Playing Kingdom Hearts is heart, like making me, me feel like I am uh, always on the verge of an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I don't know. Put that quote on the box. But it's, um, it's been a so, delight. So listen, this is a spicy, we, we need to back off Kingdom Hearts because there are some, <laughs> I feel bad. I, I don't want to dunk. I don't want to dunk. Reb, no, even the game is fun to tell. Right? I'm, I'm having a great time. Okay, it's just half okay. the fun is figuring out just what is going on. Reb, please talk to me about this game about painting. Yeah! So there have been, like, a ton of AAA, like, shooters and stuff coming out, and I'm playing zero of them. Um, I'm playing okay. East Shade. Um, it's a game made by a solo developer. I feel really bad. I don't remember. Well, it, he tried to make it by himself, and then he he couldn't. There's, like, a whole article up on the website, gamesindustry.biz, that you could read if you felt like it. Um, but it's a game, it's called East Shade, and it's a game where you are a traveling painter, and you go to the land of East Shade because it was a place that your mother loved, and she was always telling you as you were growing up, you would love it. You could find so many things to paint. There's a little prologue or whatever that tells you this. And you show up in East Shade, and it's, it's beautiful. Like, you, you just you wander around and you can paint things. And the painting mechanic is basically just like a glorified screenshot taking. It's not that interesting, but that's not really the point. Like the point is just, it, it sounds so boring to explain, but it's really just the way the world is designed is really lovely. It's, it's a game about a place. It's about East shade and you can talk to people. Like there are people who will have quests for you and you can kind of do them. They usually involve like finding a specific like piece of scenery or whatever and painting it. Um, or talking to a certain person and kind of figuring out what sort of painting they might want to see in order to like fulfill their feelings or whatever. Um, yeah. But one of the things that I really like is that it's extremely, it's a very short game, but it's also extremely open-ended. Like you can pretty much like, there's a few gates, but you can pretty much ignore all the quests and just wander around and paint things. Like you don't have to really do anything anyone says. And sometimes it's not super direct in a really nice way. Like, one of the very first quests in the game, well, it's not even a quest, like, there's a woman who's real, and I, I won't go in too deep about it, but there's a woman who's really upset about something, like, she's grieving, like, deep 
powerful grief. And you, she doesn't like want anything from you. She wants you to leave her alone. Like there's, there's no quest involved. Nothing pops up in your quest log for this. You just like, you try to talk to her about this. She's like, no, I don't want to talk about this. who are you? Like, I don't want to tell you my problems go away. And you can just like move on with your life and ignore her. Or you can go paint some like there, like if you can kind of like deductively figure out what she wants to see, you can go paint the thing that is upsetting her and bring it to her and show her. And it doesn't get, there's no reward for it, but she'll, she'll notice that you have this and she'll kind of pause and she'll be like, I see you, you understand what I'm going through. Thank you for showing me this. You keep it. Like, I don't want it, but you know, it's thank really you nice. for showing this. Like she, she just has this nice response and there's no reward. Like there's no benefit to doing this, but you just can. Um, it- I feel like you're leaving out a really crucial thing from a screenshot of yours I saw, which is that uh, there are animal people? Oh, yeah. Like, everybody's an animal. I mean, I don't know if you are. It's not, you don't see yourself. It's not really explored. But there's, like, kind of gazelle people, monkey people, bear people, and... uh... So, Animal Crossing. I really like the, I really like the owl man screenshot that you posted. Oh, yeah, the owl. I love the owl. He's just sitting under a tree and he's like, I like books. Do you like books? And I'm like, yeah, I like books. (laughs) And he's like, I like drinking tea while I read books. And I'm like, you're my kind of (laughs) guy. He's great. It's, It's just, it's really wholesome and sweet. There's also, I mean, there's also moments that are really sad. There's a scenario very early on in the game that you can't progress without fucking up people's lives. And you don't need to progress it for any reason. You can leave it alone entirely. And there's, there's no detriment to you. But if you keep pushing, like you would in like a normal game, like in a normal game, you keep pushing dialogue options, right? Because you assume that by, you know, continuing to press like whatever option, eventually you'll finish the quest and get the reward. But in this one, if you keep pushing it, like the guy tells you, leave me alone, get out. I don't want this. But you keep pushing it. And eventually it has a really sucky conclusion. And it's sad. Huh. And it, it's just, but, but it's like, like, it's cool that it, it's so upsetting because the outcome feels real. Like, right. you fucked this up. Why did you keep talking to him? Why did you do well, this? And, like, the end result isn't, like, a video game where, like, you just get a repeating dialogue sentence over and over again where you're, like, you're like oh, okay, this is over. Like, it's it's cool that they found a way to kind of make something more resolute out of that, right? This, yeah. This sounds really cool. What platforms is it on? Yeah. Just just PC on Steam. Just PC, PC right okay. now. Yeah, okay. it's, it's cool. Like, I wish we would get... I mean, I know we have some games like Edith Finch and stuff like that, but we've come so far with game tech, and all of them are still basically shooting someone or hitting like it's all very confrontation focused and like solving up like it's really cool to just put you in a space and give you different kinds of objectives and different ways to interact with the world and especially to do that in like a more open world setting like most of the games that do that are very linear and focused and uh story driven so i would love to see more stuff like that because it's super interesting yeah, yeah the, fo- the focus is definitely on the location. Um, he said in the interview I was mentioning earlier that he made the East Shade first, like the location, that was the focus. And then while he was working on making this game about a location, at one point it came up, oh, we need a mechanic. Like we need something to do here. And so yeah. that's where the painting came. So so Jeff, uh, you kind of you kind of spoke up there. Are you have you just been playing uh, Apex Legends or what else you been what else have you been doing? Uh, chosen, buddy. Actually, uh, I tried to just go right into Metro Exodus and I just had nothing but problems. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'll wait for a patch, and it got me to go back and play Metro Twenty Thirty Three and Last Light. So uh, I finished Metro Twenty Thirty Three and um, just getting my feet wet in Last Light, and uh, there 
<clears throat> flawed games in a lot of ways. They're kind of buggy, buggy and glitchy, um, you know, but they still look damn good. And, uh, you know, I think I've talked before, like I have different things I look for in games. I like either narrative or gameplay or atmosphere. And like when you have all three, it's really good. Um, that You know, the story in the Metro games is like, I don't, I don't think any of the characterizations are all that interesting, uh, but no. the atmosphere is like almost unparalleled, and it's totally up my alley. Uh, so I'm really glad I played 2033, and Last Light already is a massive improvement in terms of how it feels to play and the presentation, um, and I'm excited to get through it and play Exodus, because you guys are all uh, probably going to talk about that right after I'm done here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I know I have played and, and finished Exodus uh Justin, you've done the same. Maddie, are you still kind of still just getting your feet wet still? It sounds like I'm getting near the end. I just finished the River Valley section. Okay, um, I, so like, yeah. I hopped yeah. on the train. I haven't done that train section yet, but I'm on my way to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I've am i been pleasantly surprised uh, with how great the game has been. Uh, like, I, I've always liked these games. Like, I, I had the, the really mediocre Xbox 360 port uh, back when the original release happened, and I've kind of been a fan of... of the metro series since then but this feels like a huge step up um yeah. in a way i wasn't really expecting it the, the euro jank is there but uh it's a much improved experience for me but i am sorry you've had pc bugs that's kind of a drag yeah um justin oh go ahead no i was gonna say they they um released a hot fix today that fixed i think most of them um, oh word. So that's, okay. that's pretty impressive just five or six okay, days cool. after so yeah Justin, yeah, so do you have I, any... I've mostly just been mainlining um, uh, Metro. I just finished it last night. I am going to be writing up a full review. Um, hopefully sometime in the next couple days, I've been extremely busy with work, so I have not been able to um, to get that started, but I will have a full written review up um, on our Medium page yeah. um, in a couple days, um, which I'm really excited about because I have a lot to say um, about that game. I think it's really cool. Uh, spoiler alert it's gonna be a pretty positive review um yeah. i i liked i liked the game a lot but i i'm really looking forward to being able to kind of unpack um a lot of the little things about I, it i i really hope you take some time to talk about the 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 ways that you can communicate in that world and the ways you can't uh because I, I think that that was like a huge yes. crux of my experience is, is, yes is, uh, um, yeah I, I definitely go satisfied in and, yeah yeah <laughs> okay and Maddie, have you been mostly mostly warm on it, or you've had some issues oh, yeah. with it? I've been okay. super positive on it. I played last light. Um, I think it was like last week, two weeks ago. I finished it. Okay. Um, and I, I love twenty thirty three. I did not have as great of a time of last light, just because it's like it is. It's really janky, and it feels like it w was made in the seventh gen, which it was. But like, it has that feeling of just like linear yeah. shooter that doesn't really care about much other than shooting and like uh 2033 had an issue where stealth was terrible like you could not stealth really like if you got caught you were screwed and last light they like corrected the complete opposite way where like stealth is super overpowered um and exodus feels like the perfect middle ground where like you can do those you can do it feels like playing an e3 demo sometimes where like guards will have their roots path like just right so that you can sneak around really nice and then if you get into a firefight like it doesn't feel like a kind of messy firefight. Like everything feels very slow and deliberately paced. And like, you can like take your time and do things. I don't know. Like, like it, it's, it's really cool. Like, yeah, it doesn't um, feel messy. Like, well, and one of the cool things too, is like also like 
different factions like have like personalities that are kind of like mm -hmm. for the factions and like sometimes like when you're sneaking around and like you know taking guys out um and then you get spotted like there are some groups that'll panic and just surrender right away yeah. and then there are some that will you know go hard yeah. in fighting you some that'll be down to like the last couple guys before they surrender it's really really neat um and I, like there's a whole lot of personality um in the game that's like told through how you approach like combat in various situations on top like aside from just like exposition dumps and stuff that i really like right and i and i think one of the things that i found compelling staying out of spoiler territory but one, one thing i found really compelling about exodus compared to previous metro games uh is that in previous metro games they always had almost caricature like um depictions of the communist and and nazi factions and in some ways mm -hmm. i am fine with having caricature nazis that i that just feel good to kill uh, <laughs> but like in this game it feels like they've actually fleshed out and thought about how would these factions work uh, with each other and then and then how would they kind of impact the world around them and in what ways um in a way that makes for a really lived in space that kind mm -hmm. of was missing in previous iterations for me at least um i don't know yeah. if that was the same experience for you guys but yeah and i think the yeah. i think the wider level design it it reminds me of um in uncharted lost legacy the like kind of wide linear level design yeah. where like you're you're on a guided path it's not gta or something but like you can take your time in these spaces and like i thought i think one of the issues the first two had was like like it gave you this space that you wanted to take in but like there wasn't much reason to stop and take it in because you were just you're literally in tunnels like being funneled towards your objective um yeah. and exodus has given me a lot of chances to like just stop and like take in the world yeah and kind of understand the... it more justin hello hello uh -huh. Did Justin, Justin. Justin, we, we is frozen Justin. <laughs> Justin is frozen, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna move on while we wait for him to come back. He has such a pensive look. Yeah. He does. <laughs> He's thinking he really does. hard he looks, about this. He looks very stern here. Um, <laughs> so like let's let's move forward. Reb, one thing that I think is, is worth talking about, especially because it's it's breaking uh news and, and it's um kind of a trend in the last month, sadly. Uh can you talk about the the rumors around uh arena nets layoffs and, and kind of that context within the greater industry right now? Yeah, not rumors anymore. They got confirmed in like the last hour. Um, so Shit. earlier today, our uh, our good uh, story breaker friend Jason Schreier over at Kotaku uh, dropped that uh, ArenaNet was reportedly going to go through a whole bunch of layoffs. Um, apparently, uh, NCSoft is their parent company. It's the Korean developer publisher. Um, had decided that um, ArenaNet, which does Guild Wars, Guild Wars Two, right now, um, was not not pulling its weight basically um it they they apparently have a whole bunch of other projects that are like unannounced unfinished in the works and they're not getting done they're getting they're getting canceled i like their status is really unclear but basically they're not they're they're i think they haven't been bringing in as much money in the last several years and they they need to trim it down and so they said that, uh, so the CEO, uh, Song Yoon, she said, um, our live game business revenue is declining as our franchise is age. Delays in development on PC and mobile have created further drains against our revenue projects. And while our operating costs in the West have increased, it's not sustainable. Basically, it's not sustainable. Um, so there's going to be cuts across the board at ArenaNet. Um, there's about 400 people that work there total. Um, no specification as to how many we're going to get laid off. Uh, but uh, ArenaNet did confirm about an hour later that there are indeed going to be layoffs over the next 
couple days. It's not, we're not sure what departments or how many or who or anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's it sucks. fucking and, sucks. And, and this is, this is a week after Activision Blizzard, which we didn't get, we didn't get to talk about. We won't be able to get to talk about in depth this week, but I mean, we all know what happened last week because we, we didn't have a show last week. Um, Activision Blizzard laid off. What, what did it end up being like 8% of their staff, 800 people? 8% of their workforce after reporting, what was it like $2.4 billion in revenue? Yeah. Like a record high revenue. It was the record high. Yep. Just, just absurd. And so, you know, the industry now is going to have just this massive influx of jobless people with incredible talent and probably not a lot of places for them to go because this industry just chews people up and spits people out. Yeah. And, and obviously, obviously they're, they're, um, both horrible in in the terms of like job loss. Right. But is there a similar, in terms of like, when you look at the way Activision is is structured, Bobby Kotick made, I think $28 million last year and $33 million the year before that, uh, is there, which is just, just ridiculously gross. Um, especially in the context of laying off 800 employees. Is there a similar structure at Guild Wars 2? Um, Imran has mentioned in the, in the, the chat that, uh, they haven't released anything new since 2017, and they don't charge a subscription fee, which is why there's no revenue coming in. Um, which just means they have a really, you know, user-friendly facing facing business model, but obviously that hurts. Um, right. So the model is, as I understand it, around Guild Wars 2. I played a little bit of Guild Wars 2. I've actually talked to people from ArenaNet quite a bit in the last year, weirdly. Um, but my, my understanding of how Guild Wars 2 works is they do a new expansion every other year. So they did an expansion in 2017, they did one in 2015, and then in the years between, they do like small story upgrades throughout the year for their users. So it doesn't generate any more money because the game is you pay once, you get the thing, and then there's a new expansion, you pay for the expansion, and you have the thing. Like it's not a monthly subscription fee, um, and there's not really anything else to spend money on. You just buy the thing. And Guild Wars 2 is, and I mean, Guild, they had Guild Wars before that, but Guild Wars is their only game. So sure. theoretically, they should be having a new expansion out this year. Like that's should be the idea but perhaps there are bumps in the road and that's they haven't announced it yet so i mean i don't know but that that would be the idea um but yeah yeah, so they apparently had like jessica price um if you remember her she was the guild wars 2 writer who got let go last year after the whole twitter thing happened because people were telling her how to do her job on twitter um but she was actually talking on twitter today about how when she was there like middle of last year they did have uh two other unrelated projects that were going and one of them got canceled so it sounds like they're trying to do other things and they're not working out but it's not clear as to why they're not working out yeah yeah and there's and there's other things that are of smaller of of smaller scales going on too right like like starbreeze is continuing to struggle uh with their walking dead game that kind of stumbled out the gate um i think i think i and I, i don't know if it's been confirmed but i think i read that the console versions of that game are like officially canceled or or semi officially canceled well, now sony has announced no sony announced uh that they are refunding all pre-orders and that they are referring to it as it being canceled for them but okay. no report from Starbreeze. But if Sony is going ahead and canceling pre-orders and refunding, then that's usually no, a hold sign. On, hold on. Starbreeze has kind pause, of been pause on that. Okay. They've they've well, not it, been great at communication uh, yeah. in the last few years, so I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me to see them just kind of like. Well, they've been going through some like significant restructuring, and yeah. and uh, yes, as Imran says, indefinitely delayed. I think is like their official term for it right now. And uh, and like as people are mentioning in the chat, uh, unionization is a growing effort. Uh, can somebody remind me what the group was that is a, a unionization group that actually reached out to game developers at large 
uh, last week to advocate for unionization. Does anybody remember the acronym for that? Um, I think it was ACL, right? Uh, or ALC? No, wasn't there like a specific gaming one? Yeah, it's beyond Game Workers Unite. It's actually, I think it's bigger than Game Workers. Yeah, uh, it, it it's was like not. a group that advocates. To, yeah, but but basically the argument was was uh, and it, it came right on the heels of Activision's announcement uh, advocating that um, more people, especially stateside, you uh, unionize. Yes, the AFL CIO is is the uh, yeah. is the group that reached out. Um, okay, sorry, I thought I had no. seen it somewhere, and I I think I was kind of correct. It sounds like 505 Games says that Overkill's The Walking Dead is not canceled on PS4 or Xbox One. I don't know. It seems like it might not entirely be canceled. It's just been postponed. I don't. Yeah. It seems like a weird situation, but I don't think I don't think it's like 100% canceled everywhere at the moment. Yeah. Well, and we're we're just kind of in this weird space right now where Guild Wars Two largely has a happy customer base. From what I understand, it's not a game I play, but I mean, largely I hear about the community being better than some of what we heard last year when they when Jessica Price was was let go for rightfully telling shitheads to fuck off. Um, and, and we've, and we, you know, you see Activision making these, these record sales and still laying people off. It's just, we're in this really rough spot where companies are still being able to make money hand over fist, uh, it, it, with the exception of, of, um, the Guild Wars Arena Net crew, but we're just not seeing, uh, you know, the people who make these games see the results of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, a, as people have been saying, GDC will be a big time where we start hearing more about unionization. Um, it won't fix everything, but it, I mean, it, it would stop some of this shit. So yeah, hopefully, and um... I, just to throw in here, I did type it in chat, but it's not, it's not development, but, um, future, uh, is announced their unionization today and that's PC gamer and games radar and a few other tech sites like Tom's guide and stuff. It's like 11 nice. publications. So some people are trying, I mean, there's still games industries, so right. it's, it's slow. It's slow. Yeah. Justin, you're back. Yes. Awesome. I am back. Awesome. We, we were just talking about ArenaNet and uh, the layoffs happening over at Activision. Uh, and then a little bit of context with, with, with what's going on over at uh, Overkill's Walking Dead. Just kind of the sad state of game development in terms of um, workers' yeah, and rights. Also, um, I just saw that it seems like uh, an Australian EA studio is just announced a round of layoffs as well. Wait, who? Um, uh, let me let me get the name. I just I just just saw it. like it like just was announced a few minutes ago. Um, oh no. Uh. Uh yeah. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. It's EA's mm-hmm. Australia studio, right? Yeah, EA EA Australia. Uh, Fire Monkeys. Um. Is... Are they a support studio? They, uh, they um. They're focused exclusively on mobile development right okay. now. Do you mind um, tossing a link in the chat for me, Justin? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it's um. Hold on, I brought it up on my phone. It's on Kotaku.au right now. Okay. Um. Dot com slash au dot au. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it yeah. seems like EA's mobile um studio that's based in Australia is also being hit by layoffs. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Lena just posted the uh, link in our chat. I think it just really sucks that, like, by most accounts, we keep hearing how gaming uh, as a business and an industry is, like, better than ever. Like, all these revenues are up, software revenues up, hardware revenues up, but it feels like that success doesn't trickle down to the employees. It feels like it's still as volatile as... Wait a minute. 
Are you trickle down economics? Yeah, are you saying trickle down economics doesn't work? Whoa, That's not what I'm saying. Whoa. I'm just saying that the, the money up here doesn't seem to be <laughs> benefiting Whoa. the people that are actually generating it. <laughs> Who knew that it was going to be our Canadian member that was going to hit us with the wise? Jeff, Bobby needs a new boat. Are you going to tell Bobby he's not getting a new boat? And Bobby yeah, doesn't want out. his dates to see people drawing pictures of him online <laughs> with wow, devil, um, apparently. Yeah. Quote no, I mean, from that, is... that article, uh, the Australian chapter of Game Workers Unite said the suspected job losses were equivalent to nearly 10% of the entire Australian game development industry. Jesus. Oof. Huh. Damn. Yeah, that's, that's fucked. Huh. <sighs> Um, I guess, I mean, I, I hate to pivot, like, we're, it's been a rough week for games, which sucks, yeah. at least the game industry, because we it's just a rough having, month. we really got a lot has. of news, but a lot of it's not great news. Yeah, let's just, yeah, we've already punched you in the gut, why, why not, um, uh, right in the throat next. <laughs> um, does anybody want to talk about, uh, we, we have seen, uh, some reviews for Anthem, uh, the, the long-awaited follow-up new IP from Bioware. Is uh, I think last I saw sitting around a 64 on Metacritic for people who actually care about that, but but generally it seems like reception has not. I think it was up to like a great. 67, but still not particularly yeah strong. And yeah. I don't I don't want to fearmonger, but like for this discussion, I feel like it's as much about Anthem as it is about Bioware. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everyone, sure. uh, you know, even people who aren't interested in Anthem, everyone is very uh, interested to see how this game performs and how Bioware does because we know. A lot of EA Studios have struggled recently, and we know Bioware uh, didn't head out of the park with Andromeda, not entirely through all faults of their own, but... Um... Well, and, and and people... Sorry to, to... I just wanted to segue real quick from that, is a lot of people blamed Andromeda's faults on the fact that, oh, it's not their A-team. Their A-team's working on Anthem. Anthem's going to be the true return to Bioware's greatness. And that was what the Bioware fans had been, you know rallying behind ever since anthem was first announced and mass in effect andromeda first hit its first woes was that this wasn't the dream bioware team and now we're seeing that like does that even matter yeah yeah well and well so so we we have a couple frames of, of talking about this in the context of, of bioware right like at the game awards they already teased that they're going to be following up with dragon age should they not be shut down um, and, and we've already heard EA say that they're hoping for, I think, what was it, like five and a half million copies by the end of March? Was that their was that I think their it was like six million in six weeks five or to, something. Five to six million by the end yeah. of March, I believe, is their goal. Yeah. Um, and But I think, I think a big part of this conversation and a lot of the reasons uh, this game might stumble out the gate, um, not just with reviews, but also with, with sales, would be they had this kind of tumultuous EA Access Origin Access launch, right? Does anybody want to, <laughs> for people who haven't been along, does somebody want to explain that release window? I can't if nobody else wants. Oh, yeah, okay. I, uh, can anyone so, explain it? I can. I Justin can. can. So okay. like currently, okay, so it's actually easier with Anthem than it was with Battlefield 5 uh, <laughs> because Battlefield 5 had an early access release date for a special edition of the game that was independent of their subscription services. Um, Anthems are... Okay, so on PC, the game launched basically last Friday, if you have Origin Access Premiere, which is uh, EA's $100 subscription service, where um, 
you get access to every game that EA releases in a year and you get a week early access that is currently only available on PC. Um, Xbox users um, that have EA's origin access, just the regular one, um, have been able to play it since last week as well, but um, a 10 hour trial of it. And that's a, uh, available for PC as well. Yes, that's also available yeah. on PC um, for EA access members that aren't premier members. On PlayStation, the game's not out till tomorrow. Yeah. Um, their uh, EA access is currently not on um, PS4, although they said it's going to another EA access is coming to another major platform sometime Switch. this year, and they've released like what two FIFA games and upcoming Unravel Two on Switch, and all EA's mobile games are free to play. So it seems like we <laughs> might be expecting yeah. it on PS4 in the future. But currently, um, that is the state. And um, on top of, to kind of make things a bit more confusing, um, there's a very big day one patch that I believe is now live. It, it launched last night, yep. It launched so, last night, so, okay. That, yeah, and so, sorry. Um, so a lot, of, like, a lot of issues like load times, um, some UI stuff, um, various performance issues were all covered by this day one patch. Um, you know, Bioware told reviewers this, they didn't tell players this, um, like the specifics, but also it's like, there's a question is, is it really a day one patch? If you can pay money and play it, um, the full game, the play, the full game before that, but also, but also people on some platforms can't do that. Like it's a really weird, messy situation. I mean, people have beat the game. People have finished the game. I mean, like this is this is kind of like if I so I've I I bought Metro Exodus last Friday and I beat it on Sunday and then if somebody's like, hey, we're we're fixing a huge amount of the issues you were having last week. Do you want to re-review or re-experience it? Like, no, that ship no. has sailed. I'll come back. And so like like, but what I what I found so frustrating about this um is the way that some if somebody wants to be excited for for Anthem, I'm happy for them. Uh, I, I have played it uh, through through alpha and through beta, and there's a lot of fun stuff to be had there, but it's not my type of game. Um, but people defend this as, well, the game hasn't released yet, so releasing in this state is acceptable, um, which it isn't. Uh, and, and, like, whose fault is it that the day one patch wasn't ready for the real day one eight days ago? Is that Bioware? Is that EA? Probably both. Yeah, it's um, it's. I feel bad for everybody involved because I yeah. know as a reviewer, I feel like... You know, there's a big question, you know, do I wait for this patch or not? Um, or do I release these impressions? But like also, you know, I personally do not have an Xbox or a gaming PC. So like none of, you know, if I picked up Anthem like tonight at midnight, I would have this patch that is not included. So these reviews might touch on issues that may have been addressed. Um yeah. Well, I, I feel mean, like, bad so... for the developers because, you know, maybe they had to rush to get this submitted a week early to be able to do, you know, these, um, you know, early access. That, like, it's just kind of a mess all around. And I feel like this isn't the first game that has kind of ne- been negatively affected by Battle- these early Battlefield releases. 5. Yeah. Battlefield 5 had a huge day one patch that came um, for the deluxe version's early access period. So it came yes. like five days after uh, Premiere Access people could already play it. It, it. came a week after... Pre- Battlefield Fives was even more confusing. I believe the Origin Premiere was a week before 
the deluxe edition early right. access. Right. Um, um it, so, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it it's weird, like and Imran touched on this in chat a little bit. Um I, as, from what I understand, just from seeing reviews go up and from talking to a couple people I know, there weren't really reviews copies that were sent around early to anyone. Like, I think people who reviewed Anthem, from what I've heard, got it, like, maybe the day before the EA people got it. Like, not like, like there wasn't time to do a full yeah. review before people had I mean, the ability to pay full money for it. It seems That's like, pretty standard for this type of game that has, like, an always online connected server thing that's, that's like, true but like i don't the, think a single one of them has launched with reviews that's true but like what he just pointed out is that when a game gets sent around to reviewers early and it has you know there's like a day one patch or whatever there will usually be something in the embargo information that's yeah. like a list of things hey these are things that are broken we're gonna fix them with a day one patch if you don't want to publish a review you know, right at launch, if you want to wait for the day one patch, you know, this is just what to be aware of. And the reviewer right. knows this, and then they can say, this was an issue I ran into, however, there's going to be a day one patch. So this is speculation. In the review. Um, sorry, Red, finish. Um, but, like, it seems almost like, the, but then the players didn't get this information, and they right. were paying a full amount of money for this game. So it's almost like this last week has been, like, a weird beta early review period but for people who were paying money like it's weird it's it's just yeah. a weird decision i don't know who made this weird decision but maybe it was not a good decision yeah jeff what were you gonna say buddy uh so i was gonna say i you know this is speculation but i feel like uh the reason that they can usually send those notes to the reviewers is because the game goes gold a month before it's released and they have a very clear definite like, here's what we need to work through, and they can give that list to reviewers. It feels, to me, like they were just fixing these on the fly after Anthem launched last Friday uh, and trying to cram as much of these quick fixes into the patch as possible so they weren't able to, like, communicate that information ahead of time to people properly, especially to the players. Um, and I guess the second thing is, like, you know, this is all really weird and confusing, and Andromeda was uh, very negatively impacted by the pre-release, uh, like the early access period, because by most people's accounts, whether you, regardless of what you think of that game, its weakest part is the first 10 hours, which, funny enough, is what your EA access trial gets you is the first 10 hours of the game. And, and by the time that game actually released, it was already a meme. It had been just completely just ripped apart somewhat unfairly by the internet. And I don't understand... I mean, there must be... Sp people with numbers or stats that see the benefit to selling these deluxe editions. But when you look at the review scores, when you look at the general word of mouth, when you look at the sales performance of something like Andromeda, I don't know how these are benefiting these games. And on top of that, um, I've also yeah, noticed it, like with the deluxe editions of Microsoft games, you lose the specialness and feeling of a game releasing. A lot of times these days, it just feels like everyone's playing a game in different states of release. And then you're just at some point, you're like, oh, is the, the game's out now? Like... It's very confusing as a consumer to know when games are out, when they have patches, if they're broken, if they're fixed, if they're ready. Yeah. I think Battlefield Five. I think, suffered from that even more than um, Anthem is. Because, like, I remember, like, especially, especially also because EA Access is not available on every platform, and EA Access Premiere is also only on a single platform. Like, I think that adds just another layer of confusion to it. Because, like... Like, if you wanted to play Battlefield Five, just the standard edition release date on PS4, you were getting it, like, almost two weeks after people on 
PC were playing it. Um, and it kind of creates this weird thing where, you know, like you don't get that everybody's talking about this game at one time kind of thing. You don't get the sense of everybody's playing through it and kind of discovering things at the same time. It's really strange. Well, and I, I think that, I mean, there's there's two things going on. Well, there's a lot going on with, with why yeah. these are happening. But I think, I think the core thing is that we are seeing, uh, going all the way back to Mass Effect Andromeda, I think we are just seeing a lot of EA games come into the pipeline and release way too hot. We aren't seeing these games go gold in the week's advance. And so we see these games just come in um, with a lot of bugs. And like you know, like Justin said, they, they did release last night a day one patch, well, which is really like a day eight patch for Anthem, which does fix load time on PC, but we are seeing frame rate drops that are sometimes as bad as half the frame rate on PC. So like they're, they're not really fixing all of the issues here. Um, but the other thing is that when we have eight days for, for players and critics to be checking out these games, um, there's a lot of time for feedback. There's a lot of time for reviews, which I think is good and, and part of a healthy uh, ecosystem of, of, of criticism. But then we also see people um, who, you know, might be vice president executives of game companies um, decide that, like, hey, why don't we just start an argument about the merits of game journalism? Why don't we just talk about that? And or or that same person using the "Hey, this game's not out yet" defense while also touting right. that they've played the game for fifty hours already. <laughs> right. Well, but what I find so frustrating is that the argument that that that. Mike, and we'll, we'll be brief on this because I think it's already been kind of talking to death, but yeah. what's so frustrating about it is that Mike was taking a very select subset of his audience who, who he knows hasn't played the full game, so he can say, well, the full game's not out yet because all of my Xbox followers can only play the first 10 hours, whereas like people on PC is like, I, guess what? When we, when we do quick play, we've played the last mission already, Mike. Like, it, it, just, it just felt he... I don't know. It just felt like a very opportunistic time to do some dog whistle bullshit to rag on journalists who maybe just gave crackdown, which has kind of a middling reception. Uh, you know, the feedback it got. It just, I don't know. Fuck that. That's a, I, fuck that. Yeah. Like there's just be like this whole, like the Anthem release has brought up just so many, um, just general issues with reviews, releases, um, and stuff like that. And I definitely agree with Zach about a lot of ea games are getting pushed out before a few months before they're ready um because all all of them lately have had massive day one patches um except apex legends apex legends came out <laughs> okay compared to a lot of these other games but like i think they are very um they're very concerned about what releases in what um like fiscal quarter um for their reports and i think they really need to let some of these games have some extra time because especially like with a service, like a service game that's getting updated at the same time as you're trying to fix stuff, it kind of gets to a point where, Hey, these developers are rushing to stay on schedule for the content outline delivery that they have already. Like Anthem we know is getting, you know, new missions and stuff in March. Um, but you know, if these developers are also rushing to try to fix issues that are already in the game while trying to stay on target, like you get really rushed content releases like Battlefield five just had a co-op mode that was added that was touted as one of the initial features at the reveal and is now arriving, you know, 
four months after launch and is one of the most bare bones, like quickly thrown together modes I think I've ever seen in a triple A release. Yeah. Um, we and, listen. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, maybe, you know, some of these publishers should kind of start doing like an actual early access period because especially like a lot of these looter loot games uh you know have always had a lot of these a lot of this a lot of similar complaints right off the bat and they're not able to actually address them before they have to start rolling out these con- this content which then makes that content suffer and they're still not addressing the other issues Justin yep. Justin yes. an actual early access period <laughs> like another game that we know oh, about for- from a large publisher what one that's one that's very online focused and is probably going to be supported for a long time what could that be what could that be yes uh so i guess that's our transition uh am i taking this or zach wants to take it no 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 well i i can't i was just gonna say does anybody Justin just Justin just talked. Does anybody have something they really want to say about about Anthem before we move on to talking about dreams? Sorry, I, I just wanted to add. Uh, <laughs> no, you're fine, Reb. I, I like the transition. It was good. Sorry, I went on for a long time. I That's all right. No, I just wanted to add one more thing. Like I think the really there's a couple interesting things here, but we're mostly focused on the review aspect. So there's like a few questions, right? Like when is a, what do we consider a game launch, and when should a game be reviewed? And I think the thing is like no game today is ever finished. No game is completely without bugs. So what's the acceptable state? And there's never going to be a good answer for that. So like the responsibility is not on reviewers to wait for a game to be in the right state. When you put your game out there and let people play it, that should be a state that you're comfortable with it being evaluated. And it's not up to anyone else to wait. If sites want to revisit a year, two years later and reevaluate it because they think it's interesting or people want to read about it and it drives traffic, that's great. Um, But yeah, Anthem, if it's out there and people can pay money and people can play it and it's not preview program, they're advertising it as early access to the full game, then it's the full game and you should be able to evaluate it as such. So I think like to me, that's that argument in a nutshell. That's all I just wanted to add. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, we, we all have dreams. Some people want to travel. Some people want to fall in love. And some people just want an accessible video game where they can build and create their own ideas and share them with their friends. Justin, can you talk to us about the latter? Well, have I got a game for you, Zach? Um, yeah, so I've talked <laughs> I've talked about Dreams um, quite a bit. Uh, I, w- I was one of the select few that was um, in the beta, and I, I streamed that, um, which that, that video is archived on our Twitch and is on YouTube and stuff. Um, I really, really, really liked the beta. I was very, very impressed by it. And I thought it was really, really polished. Um, and it seems like uh, Sony and Media Molecule agreed with me because uh, Dreams is going to be getting an early access um, release um, that is going to... It's a creator um, early access. So like the beta was a creator beta... It's not going to be including the um, the full single player, but it is going to have all of the tools that were available um, updated based off of feedback from the beta. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be limited. It sounds like it's going to be limited by just number of people that buy it per region. 
Um, they haven't really given too many specifics on that. It's just more than the 20K that were in the beta. Um, which it's going to be tight to get it in because it is a $30 um, release for Dreams and it is going to get upgraded to the full version when the full game comes out. Um, and they did and that's kind the of spring, right? Like pretty soon? Spring, spring is the window they gave for it. But every time they've given a window for something for Dreams, it's been like, yeah. right at the end like they were saying that 2018 was going to be the beta for like all of 2017 and all of 2018 and it came out like december 20 something i mean if, <laughs> um, if they were if they were going to e3 this year i would say like you could see them hot dropping a, a yeah. short you know you could see them but yeah. since they're not doing that maybe we'll see it but, before so then. um it seems like this is kind of, but I think this will, this will be really good for it because I think it'll ensure that, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the Dreamverse when, you know, the full the dream, game comes wait, out. The, wait, wait, wait. The, the Dreamiverse. The Dreamiverse. Is it called that? Okay. Is that what it's, it's called? actually called the Dreamiverse. I am not making that up. I mean. Great. Great. Sure. <laughs> you know what? That's it's the kind of dumb thing that sticks with you. And five weeks into the game, it won't sound dumb anymore. It certainly doesn't sound any dumber than anything in Kingdom Hearts. You're, you're it does sound like a Kingdom Hearts thing. <laughs> the dream of ours. Yeah, so um so yeah, it's cool. Um I was surprised to see, you know, this from Sony, but I think it's a good game for them to test something like this with. Yeah, and one thing that we've kind of talked about is that uh previously Sony has kind of shied away from early access as as a feature uh, on their on their platform, and so this is just kind of another kind of another example of Sony kind of stepping out of um, their kind of familiar place and and trying out some new stuff, right? Yeah, and I thought we saw that. Um, you know, the pricing is interesting too. I know it's early access, but we saw them do that with Ratchet and Clank. I know it's an Insomniac game, but it's published by Sony, right? So um, you know they price that pretty competitively, and I do wonder. I'm not saying Dreams won't be like full MSRP, but um, launching at $29.99 US dollars, like, um, you know, early access games always get a price hike for full release. But uh, I'm interested to see if they go with the full price. Not that I think it's like not worth it or it is worth it. Um, I'm not speaking about the quality of the game in any regard. Just you talk about Sony thinking outside the box and early access is one method of that. And so is uh, alternative pricing methods, um, especially yep. for games that maybe. Uh, are more difficult to sell than God of War with fancy graphics at an ET showcase. Yeah, absolutely. I just love the contrast, and, and it, like, completely inadvertent, too. Like, uh, Sony did not know that EA was going to be doing this weird thing with Anthem, presumably, when they were making their plan for Dreams Early Access. Um, but I love the contrast, because... Uh, like the the whole the whole weird release schedule for Anthem, they weren't calling it early access, but then kind of like midway through the week, it started getting referred to as early access. So like you know, it's not like a generous you, excuse. Yeah, like like <laughs> you think of it, you think of an early access game. You think of you know a game that you're getting access to like a month or even like a year or more before launch and it's going to be buggy and broken probably and then eventually you're going to get the full game and they're going to fix things and you know that you're buying into that um and that was not what people were thinking of when they were buying anthem they're buying a full price game that they expect to be functional at yep. the time that they buy it um but then you have dreams which is here take it for cheaper it's probably not going to work 100 percent great but we're going to fix it and thank you for helping us like it's and like 
the contrast is funny. And the wild thing is, is Justin and I, in fact, it's archived, self-plug, uh, <laughs> we have some Dreams beta content up, and the game runs real well. Like, yes. it seems I, fine. I said that during <laughs> the stream. Loads. Yeah. I said that during the stream, like, that beta felt more polished than a lot of full releases <laughs> that yeah. I have played. And yeah. considering that this early access is going to be probably polished up even more from that, like I would say it's a pretty safe safe yeah. bet for throwing money at. Yeah. Is Fortnite technically still an early yeah. access? Yeah. 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 It's made yeah. It's 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 a complete you... bullshit lie, but Are yes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. It, they're they're just extending it. They're just extending it because they said originally that it would be a free-to-play game with their with their horde mode, and so they know that if they take it out of that early access, they have to give you the horde mode for free. Mm -hmm. um, but people are buying the horde mode because it gives you, if my memory serves correctly, V bucks, which can translate into the the multiplayer component. So so they're basically using it to kind of milk some extra sales. But hey, hustle recognize hustle until <laughs> you know, I guess. Yeah, it's fucked. Um, but yeah, I mean, does anybody else have anything to touch on with Dreams? I know, Finn, do you want to say anything about it? I've never played it, so... Okay, I but have, you have Dreams? I, I do. Thank it's God. It's to play Dreams, eventually. <laughs> I just want to remind John that Dreams is a real video game yeah. that Justin has played. Uh, and also, it's, it's going to be available for early access this year, and other people will be able to buy and play it, and it exists. And it looks amazing. Unlike yeah. Metroid Prime Trilogy for Switch. Yeah. Unlike and, Metroid Prime Trilogy can we, for Switch. Can we just say that, like, up until, like, six months ago, I think John was like, that game's never coming out, right? Was that... Yeah, was he that... said it was getting canceled. Yeah. He, said, would, he yeah. said it was getting canceled. Media Molecule was doing, like, monthly streams, and he was like, this game's dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We, we got a dunk on John more often. I love it. <laughs> uh, so, so are, are we ready to move on past dreams? I've got more topics for us. Is there anybody... All right, fine. We're moving on. So let's let's talk a little bit, and I think Maddie, I want to throw it to you. you. Can we talk about Yakuza in the context of the way they have handled some of their problematic themes in the re-releases, and how that might tie into the re-release of Catherine? Yeah, so I haven't I haven't looked too deeply into it um, because I have not played uh, I have not played a Yakuza game like all the way through. Okay, um, I still have to, but from what I've heard, um, there was a lot of it was transphobic and I think homophobic content in Yakuza 3 and they're re-releasing it. Um, I think it's only in Japan right now. They haven't announced it for a Western release yet. Not yet. But, um, they're re-releasing it um, for PS4 uh, soon, or they might have already. Um, and it sounds like they either cut that content entirely out or they rewrote it to be um, not transphobic and homophobic. And it wasn't it wasn't just a, oh, we don't want people mad at us. It was like a concerted effort from within the team that like, we want to do better. Um, yeah. We want to make people who are part of the groups that we previously made probably like did said harmful things about. Um, we want them to feel safe playing our game and stuff, um, which is in stark contrast to Atlas, who... Um, who just decided they were going to show their whole ass, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's been known for a while, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was there was transphobic stuff in the original release of Catherine. Um, and Justin can probably speak to this more than okay, I can. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, just kind of touching on 
building on kind of a little bit of what you know maddie said about yakuza like um you know a little bit of that stuff especially inside missions kind of made it into the kiwami games uh but like a lot of the new stuff like adds like you know kind of fun cross-dressing and and stuff like that so it, it really seemed at odds and you know i haven't played yakuza 3 yet but i have heard a lot of that stuff is kind of at the forefront in um in yakuza 3 and i'm glad they're addressing it because um you know when i ran into some of that stuff in kiwami it definitely uh you know it was it it, it grossed me out but yeah the catherine re-release is really really upsetting um so i'm a big fan of catherine originally um i thought it was a really neat um puzzle horror game and i thought it had some you know interesting stuff to say about um you know about adult relationships sex stuff like that and i and it's stuff i hadn't really seen in game before and there was um you know a trans character there is a trans character in the game um and uh she was uh dead named in the credits um as well as you know a few there were several lines in um several lines in the game where people were kind of mocking her um and stuff like that but um when they announced that there was going to be a remaster of Catherine I was really hoping hey you know what they could correct some of these issues relatively easily it seems they have more than tripled down on transphobic content in the re- remaster. They've added a third Catherine um, who, um, you know, they kind of played with expectations because they released, you know, um, screenshots of, of, you know, Vincent seeing her naked and screaming and stuff like that. And we're like, oh, but it's not what you guys think. Uh, um, and, you know, it turns out, yes, um, she does have male male genitalia but but wait she's actually an alien um kind of thing so they tried to like make it better but still doing the same awful joke that we expected them to make Uh, and then on another level is there is now a new best ending of the game and that best ending um you know is going back in time making everybody's lives better and it makes it so that erica never transitioned um uh Erica is the trans character in the game and it shows them um in a biologically male body um at the end kind of implying that um you know they would be better off not transitioning that they might have just been confused um and this is really really upsetting for me because I really thought they could have easily address the issues that were in the original release of the game this is a game i really liked i have recommended to people um i've recommended it to people that are members of the lbgtq community and you know i've been keeping i've been you know side-eyeing this remaster for a while and as these details came out it just got me real more and more upset because it would have been so easy to improve it and they did not and and I think, and I think um, one of the things that I find kind of frustrating about it is, um, you know, we've seen, and, and it goes it goes beyond just the examples that you gave, right? But like even looking back at God of War, they kind of talked about when they, which is a game I'm not as warm on as everybody else, but one of the things they talked about was like if if we we're gonna come back and tell more, how do we redeem Kratos? Because there's a lot of extremely problematic content in those first uh, 
three storyline games. And so we've seen a lot of things this generation where people who make games have thought more critically about the characters and the people they're presenting um, in a way to make a warmer, more inclusive, and just smarter story. And it just feels like Atlas just hasn't done the homework, hasn't read the room, uh, and is instead just and, leaning into like... Well, and an, another weird thing about this is both Yakuza and Catherine are published by Sega. Yeah. Which is like another kind of bizarre wrench in the in this is that like with some of their remasters they're doing what they should and others they are absolutely not. Well, and there's another layer to this, which is that like this is something that Atlas has a history of screwing up. Um like you guys all know I love Persona Five, but like there's some like deeply troubling stuff in that game. Um there are two scenes where um your friend Ryuji is accosted by two like two gay men who are like coded as like pedophiles almost, and they're like very cartoonish, caricaturish. Like they chase him, they chase him away, and like your character has like kind of like a oh I hope he's okay reaction, and like you don't hear from him for hours. Um, and weirdly, they left that in the anime, uh, and it like it does nothing for the story. Um, they were originally going to leave in. A, um, or they were going to put in a um, social link where you could romance one of your friends, Yusuke. Oh. And they they cut some of they they cut on, some of the stuff out. Oh. Hang on. Are we back? It it was are, really are we, yeah we're, are we we're good sorry that was a really okay. solemn thing to interrupt but it was funny because <laughs> on my on my screen Jeff was frozen and everyone else was moving but on the on the yep, stream yep. everyone was frozen except Jeff yeah Discord booted except me Jeff. so yeah. sorry about okay. that continue sorry Matt you might want to back okay uh, yeah so back basically um, Katsura Hashino the director and producer of Catherine has he's worked on. Um, all the Persona games since three. Um, and people have kind of thrown out the idea that like this comes from him, but I think that's kind of letting Atlas off the hook a little too easily. Um, it seems like there is a very deeply seated uh, homophobic and transphobic like belief system at Atlas that like really needs to change. Um, yeah. And he's not working on Persona 6. He's kind of handed off the series to a different director. Um, so it's, we'll see when But he is also heading up another IP, like a new their, IP for... Yeah, their fantasy Atlas. RPG. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that, and if that pans out that it's, oh, it's all his fault, or if it's just Atlas as a whole is kind of... And like, on just on another level that I think makes it kind of extra gross is just like... The message of, like, the Persona games is, like, find your true self, be who you really are, um, unless you're a member of the LGBTQ community. Like, especially, especially And it's five. really, really upsetting because it seems like it would be a great series to actually have, you know, some progressive elements or to be more, um, you know, caring towards those groups. Um, and Catherine's about, you know understanding who you who you really are and becoming a better person and like interacting with your relationships better and stuff like it it's like on top of it just being gross in general it just really feels 
you know, completely at odds with what these games are trying to say in a way that I feel like kind of invalidates a lot of the of, of the other stories that they're telling within them. Yeah, the the themes at large are very like positive. Uh, it's especially weird in Persona Five, which is about like the the downtrodden and like people that are taken advantage of, um, kind of rising up and like getting revenge on not getting revenge, but like righting the wrongs of society. Um, while at the same time you have An who was sexually harassed by one of her teachers, um, and is like it, it's implied that there was like um sexual assault that happened and then for the rest of the game ryuji is like saying like sexually harassing her and it's it's just like completely and it's played for comedy it's completely at odds with the larger themes and it it undercuts them and it's like it's upsetting because it's like you guys had something good going here and then you just like couldn't couldn't help yourselves not putting in this like juvenile stuff that like anybody knows you don't put that in there and that's uh, the that's that's the other thing too is it's not like they have done this just once or twice it's so frequently they have to take digs at these groups yeah. and like especially this Catherine re-release like people have made excuses with you know previous releases like Persona 4 was written you know in what 2008 yep. um Catherine was kind of ignorantly insensitive in the original release um and then you know time passed persona 5 comes out and people are like oh well that's only like 10 minutes of a hundred hour game but like i think the reason it's particularly boiling over with Catherine full body is because it just seems so particularly um like it's like oh here's a new ending and most of the new content we're adding to the game is going to deal with this poorly it feels like it feels like they can't claim ignorance anymore yeah more maliciousness yeah. uh one th one other thing i'd like to say okay. is uh atlas put out today um they do surveys every once in a while um and it's basically just like oh what would you like to see from these series are you a fan um so i'm gonna drop that in the chat and i would encourage everybody this is perfect timing to um if if you like their games but you don't like the stuff they're doing i would go in and answer to the other ones like the things you want to see them do better because they listen to these surveys i don't know if they'll listen to that particular one but if enough people speak up i'm hoping that it's heard there um, i did i did see um somebody that is kind of familiar with how atlas works um is that atlas usa and the localization teams are very cognizant of yeah. some of these criticisms but atlas japan is kind of very much hey we listen to japan um and isn't quite as welcoming to some of these things and there's been some statements i think the the voice actor for erica um sorry um the voice actor for erica has said um you know i'm we are working with the localization team on this so maybe things will be different in the u.s release i'm not sure but sure yeah, I mean it's it's definitely something that, that we need to watch. And the the Catherine Full Body isn't actually out for a for a minute in the uh, in the U.S. Right? No, it just like, came out in Japan. They right, just announced right, it for right. the U.S. I very recently. Yeah. Okay, so I mean it's something to watch. And and uh, uh, as Imran mentioned, there there was some sort of translation issue, which which might uh, have exacerbated uh, some of the reads on some of the changes. So uh, it's something to keep an eye on as as it kind of moves. Um, 
towards a Western release. But let's move on to uh, some other really big news today, and then also the context, again, in the game industry. Uh, today, after, I think, 13 years, Reggie is ready to retire. Finn, do you uh, want to talk about this at all? 15, or, 16 total? 13. 15. As in, uh, 13 as in his current role as president, okay. but fit, fit, like over 15, I think, at yeah. Sorry. So he, he's yeah, he's been there. He's been there for for quite a long time and like honestly, it's one of those things right where where after he's been there for so long like like as a 23-year-old, like it's re- it's weird for me to see him move on, I guess. Um but I mean like I don't know. I feel good for it. I mean, he's put Nintendo in a good spot. Finn, do you have anything to say about it? We kind of were mentioning it in the DMs earlier. That's why I asked. Yeah, so the thing about Reggie is I mean, sure he's an exec and like anyone else, he's just there to to sell the company and, and sell units and get people to buy into the company line. And and one thing that will be sorely missed is Reggie's superhuman ability to say literally anything with a straight face and make you feel like he truly believes that's the best answer they can give. Because you have to remember, he was around during the Wii U era, and there was some questionable things that he had to just sit there and say. But going back to his initial rise in popularity, it all comes down to that first E3 appearance. I believe it was E3, where he just introduces himself with the most iconic line, like, my name is Reggie. I'm here. What is it? I'm here to kick ass and make games. I believe oh, that was, yeah. the it was I'm about I'm about kicking ass and yeah. something. And like incredible. That, just great. That's simple Fuck because me up, Reggie. you were you were, this is the guy that's going to be representing Nintendo. And he just said, kick, I'm going to kick ass. And you're like, wow, that's not what we expected. And I, I remember how different it felt because he was coming off of, not disastrous, but the first time Nintendo ever lost with the N64 versus PlayStation, he was helming the GameCube era. And you got to, you got to like respect this man who has seen it through through some of Nintendo's darkest days, and now he gets to leave on the high note of the Switch yeah. dominating After the generation. The Wii U. Yes. He, After the Wii U. He, what a comeback. That's what I'm saying. Like it's like it's it's Nintendo's version of Phil Spencer riding the Xbox One ship. Like it's kind of it's it's nice to be there and see that trajectory happen. And he was also a guy that if you ever met him in person, was as genuine as he came off on screen and on stage. He uh he was just a, a genuine guy that liked what he did. And, and like, I, I have, I've really have high hopes for Doug Bowser because he's another genuinely great guy, but Reggie will be missed. It's going to be a large void to fill. I think right. it's also worth noting that it's a huge bummer. And the fact that now we're back to all of the major gaming industry, corporate figures being white guys again, yep. Like, yep. like he was, right. he, he, he was the diversity. And... Well, yeah, Reggie was the, um, I believe I read today, like first, um, first generation son of Haitian immigrants. Mm-hmm. Dang. Which is... Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I just wanted to say like, I, you know, I'm not as familiar with Reggie as most. I didn't, I don't, not a big Nintendo guy. I didn't really follow him that closely, but one thing that struck out to me from people's reactions to this, but also seeing people talk about Reggie is we always hear that companies aren't your friend, right? Which is true. Companies, you know, they want to make money, but that doesn't mean that they can't put people out there 
that are your friend, that are, um, you know, pleasing to interact with and can have some fun and be a friendly face. And I think, uh, you know, like, you know, Sony's had some good faces like Shuhei and Adam Boys and stuff like that. And Microsoft's got Phil Spencer. But I don't think anybody is so intrinsically tied to their brand like Reggie was to Nintendo. When people think of Nintendo in America and they look at Reggie, like those two go hand in hand. And it was just cool to see like such a humanized version, uh, representation of the company. And I think that built so much goodwill for Nintendo. And I'm interested to see how they move forward past that in the future. Yeah. Well, and like, and it's what Finn was saying where like, he's an incredibly personable character. He always has been, but he was also profoundly good at when Nintendo was making um, laughable decisions about their infrastructure, was so good at selling it. Like, I, I think the exact line for why they didn't have a party system on the Switch was, because we're Nintendo and we do things differently. We're yep. like, oh, God. Just, they also it's made him just, say it's because they didn't want you working with, like, a bulky headset. and Yeah. Yeah, like, you don't want all those wires and everything. Which and then is, they released which this like, thing. Which is just a, a hilariously awful answer but reggie fucking sold it like yeah. uh, with reggie i'm like no you're right just my phone is fine reggie this <laughs> i is don't need it yeah, yeah he's the master of spin he's great yeah at it. i mean but, but like fucking again respect like i don't know like um you know we've kind of talked about phil spencer a little bit um but phil spencer always reminds me of your dad's friend at a barbecue but reggie but reggie is like your dad after you just threw up like he's just like <laughs> like nicer than i maybe deserve i i don't know just there's a there's an energy that reggie brought um that i just don't see enough of from executives and again like phil spencer whether he comes off as sincere or fake whatever uh I just think that Reggie will leave a, a pretty big void there, but um, you know, with a name like Bowser following up, maybe maybe we'll we'll get some more memes out of it. We'll see. I really do miss the Iwata era Nintendo Directs. Yeah, and Reggie was a huge part of those. Like, just the skits. I think, I think in general, like the Nintendo executives that were involved in those, like. I mean, when you're a grown ass man, I mean, you got you got to have like that childishness and that playfulness to be willing to to go along. I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do for your job, but they're they're all putting those together, and Reggie was a part of that. And you you got to like have that playfulness to be willing to go along with just these ridiculous skits and, and be self and be self aware enough to know what the internet is doing with them. I mean, I oh, the every, every so often, every so often in a direct, somebody will deliver a line or with like a little smirk and you know yeah. <laughs> you know they're not like I, I don't remember what smash brothers reveal it was it might have been ridley actually i think it was ridley it was like it like the, the reveal was delivered with this little smirk like i know you guys have been just just being ridiculous on the internet for like a year years about this so you know what here you go wink like like, like the, it's that kind of thing i don't know he always I'm, had he I always wore that, those pins just to tease people. Yeah. Never commented on them. It's like the t-shirts at the Xbox things. Oh, <laughs> the t-shirts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like there's, so there's, there, besides Nintendo, there was also a big change, and some of this was last week. Um, so Jim Ryan is now yeah. pretty high up. Does anybody but want to touch may, on that? May I just 
touch on him because I have feelings yeah. about Jim Ryan. Please, Finn, uh, uh, before you start, Jim... do you want to just contextualize like who Jim Ryan yeah. is, and maybe just for people who aren't familiar with the executives? As I recall, wasn't he the uh, Sony Europe uh, version of Jack Trenton? Yeah, yeah. So he's now moving on up to the West Side for America, and I just okay. You might know him as the guy that has made every single PS4 PR blunder of the past three years. Remember all those choice quotes about crossplay? Remember all those choice quotes about backwards compatibility? If it was something Xbox was doing right, Jim Ryan was fucking up the PlayStation response. And I just, it got to the point where I was like, how are they not, if they see a guy with a microphone, not just shooing him away? Because he was, Play, he's he's becoming PlayStation's Don Matrick, where like every time he opens his mouth, you're like, "Why? What are you saying? Just stop!" And I, he, I'm sure he's a great guy. Probably there's a reason he got promoted, uh, but it's not his savvy with journalists. So and, that yeah. that's that's actually part of the reason why I think he got promoted because we don't actually hear much from the. Uh, from the PlayStation <laughs> presidents in talking with uh, in talking with the not. press, like so, Andrew House would maybe have like when he was in charge, he would maybe have a couple couple interviews a year, maybe so, where he just you know stayed directly on message. Who is Jim uh, Ryan? <laughs> who is Jim Ryan replacing? Like who okay, are we comparing so him to? That's the, also the weird thing. Yeah, that's is, weird. Yes, Jim Ryan and John Codera have switched places. <laughs> Uh, Jim Ryan was the VP. Codera was the president. As of April 1st, they are switching. Uh, where Ryan is taking over as president. As VP, Codera is going to be continuing on and focusing on PlayStation Network um, and service-related stuff. Because that's, that's Codera's background, right? Yeah, that's it's Codera's specialty. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't have any official reasoning for it. If I had to guess, I would say that maybe this just, maybe Ryan's probably, um, okay, Ryan was deputy, not VP, but, uh, yeah, so, but it was just kind of a shifting around of execs in similar roles, um, and, uh, I, I, I think maybe, you know, this will allow Codera to focus more on the network services thing and ryan probably more on the management side if i had to venture a guess we don't know for sure but well and 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 perhaps um i'm ill-informed but i think one of the things that people always give jim ryan for he was a big part in the spearheading of sony continuing to dominate the european market um and kind of made it an, an unpenetrable fortress for for the likes of microsoft right and maybe that's giving him too much credit but i mean that's a common sentiment that i have heard yeah, it True, sounds like false. he's a better businessman than he is a PR person. And I yeah. believe it. Sure. That, that happens a lot in that industry yeah. is that the higher execs are uh, much better at the business side of things. Less yeah. so on the uh, human interaction part. Sure. Which is part of why Reggie was like really interesting. A breath of fresh air. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because like he opened his mouth and we were all like, well, the thing you said as a factual statement, might not have been great, but you didn't put your foot in your mouth while you were saying it. It's like Ubisoft's so... Eves. 
Like, you know, yeah. he's, also just, so. yeah. he's just interested in selling his product, but he comes across as very authentic and charming. And you don't get that a lot in upper execs for these huge global corporations. And Eve pulls it off. Yeah. I, th I, thought, I thought Jeff might like the little pro <laughs> Ubisoft. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't know, Ubisoft. He always sounds, like, mildly apologetic on the earnings <laughs> oh, calls yeah. when I listen to them. Like, like he's just a little, like, he's not super sorry, but he's, like, a little bit sorry that he has to tell you. Ubisoft's weird. Like, they're a big company with, like, lots of the same problems as the other big companies, but they also have this weird human uh, vibe to them that I think, like, comes a lot from the, I'm not going to try to pronounce the last name, so Eve's family. Uh, and... <laughs> Yeah, it sets them apart, I think, for a little bit. Yeah. Hi, Saki. Yeah, Finn's got Finn's got Saki out. So, guys, before we before we wrap up for the night, um, I just kind of wondered if anybody wanted to talk about or speculate, um, what what, uh, Reggie's departure, uh, and also the change of it PlayStation might mean for the next gen uh, as we as we kind of look towards that in the next year. Does anybody have any uh, uh thoughts? Is this I a think game we see Doug Bowser at E3 or in the direct in a Bowser suit. That is wow. I think that's their only choice. They, I mean, they, out too. they have to lean in. Mean, he's, he's already shown off like the team Bowser jacket and stuff. Like he knows what oh, he's doing. Oh, Bowser suit. I, do, I, I do mean, think realistically, there's not a single I person think... at Nintendo that didn't know that that was coming. Oh, <laughs> like... God, no. Well, he, he himself has leaned into it on Twitter yeah. a number of times. I, I do realistically think, I mean, yeah, they'll do a, they're doing a direct, like there's no way Nintendo will go back to stage presentations at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think like, yeah, they'll probably have another direct between now and then, but E3 really will be Doug. Um, I'm sure he will make some kind of appearance. And I, I'm just, I'm very interested to see what he opens with. Like, like you said earlier, Reggie opened with kicking ass and making video games. Like what's, Doug Bowser doesn't seem like a kicking ass and making video games kind of guy. Uh, Derek earlier was, yeah, it was Derek was describing him as kind of like a a nice, quiet uncle that you appreciate more as you get older. Like not, yeah. not, not the not the <laughs> not obnoxious, a, yeah. he's, he's not, not the, the obnoxious uncle, uncle and he's not the fun uncle. He's not the creepy he, uncle and he's not the no. fun uncle, but he's the one that you, yeah, yeah, like you said, you grow to appreciate him as you age. Yeah, and so I, I'm just, I'm very curious as to what, what his debut is going to be, like, how he will define himself. He's just going to come out of like, I'm also here to kick ass and make games. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh darn it, guys, there can be more than one of us. <laughs> Justin, do you have any speculation about what this might mean for, for Sony? Is, is this going to change any of their posture and going into uh, next gen? Honestly, it's really hard to say. They've been really quiet about strategy stuff um, for the past for the past couple of years, basically all of last year and so far this year. Um, they have finally started, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, we're looking, you know, at some more multiplayer and service games. You know, we want to leverage PlayStation Network a bit more recently." But like again, like it's really tough to say because, I mean. Uh, we talked about Jim Ryan saying a lot of dumb shit, but a lot of that dumb shit is the old exact tactic of if your competitor has it and you don't, it's bad. Talk about it like it's bad, um, kind of thing. I don't think we can really come up with any definitive strategy based off of those because the second you know they decide they want it, he'll be like, "Hey, we listened to the fans, and that's what we did." Um, so like, <laughs> it's really tough. Um, Really tough to say there. Um, I sure. do hope 
that you know they expand you know some of the network services and stuff on PlayStation Network. I think that's an area where they have a lot of room to grow and are facing a lot of competition right now. Yeah. Um, um, or sorry, go ahead, Justin. Yeah, uh, so that that's it. No, I was just gonna say like I I think they've hinted like people have talked about Sony being quiet lately. Like yeah, we've been seeing some stuff from Days Gone. You know, lots of the big games came out last year. And I think they've hinted, like, you know, wait for 2019. Like, wait to hear from us next year. And nobody really knows if that means games, if that means hardware, if that means services. But I, I think if we just look at their trajectory since the launch of the PS4, they launched, like, we're about indies. We're about the small guy. We're about all these experimental things. And then I feel like that stuff kind of got, not got rid of, but the focus shifted. And now they've put out big game after big game, these massive AAA, um, you know, experiences and I'm sure they want to diversify a little bit, but when you look at what that's done for their position in the market, it's hard to imagine anyone looking at that and being like, well, we need to change, you know, change course here. So, you know, whether the executives shuffle around or not, I think it's realistic to say that going into next gen, which is probably coming pretty soon, you're probably going to continue to get the same kind of approach to these, uh, this focus on big, uh, large budget, large scale games. Um, of course, I think, they would be moronic to not include some form of backwards compatibility on PS5. I think that... Oh, it's inevitable. I think that hand has been forced not just by Microsoft, but by the age of live service games. People playing Siege on PS4 want to be able to play Siege on their PS5. Um, Honestly, but the I, think, I think publishers might even riot. Like, if, you know, they couldn't continue to sell, um, you know, PS4 games on the PS5. Yep. Yep. Okay, before we wrap, does anybody have anything else? Okay. Can we can we, uh, can, can we say anything else that will annoy oh. John? Is oh. there anything um, left? Oh, oh yeah. That's, so, that's important. Yeah. Uh, everybody, everybody gets one quick jab at John. Uh, Finn, do you want to you want to take us off, buddy? No, no, no. I, I want to make sure it's a good one, please. Okay. Okay. Reb, come on and slam. Oh, I was just joking. I would never say anything mean about John. I just want to say Nobody John is him. one of the nicest, most compassionate people I've ever had the pleasure. I mean, all of that is true, and yet it comes at the expense of all of his gaming opinions. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Like, and 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 that's that is a fair exchange. However, uh, the next time anyone ever hears John claim that this is the time Metroid Prime Trilogy gets announced. No. <laughs> just uh, try really hard not to yeah. burst an eye. Doesn't exist. From just I just want, back so hard. I just want to kind of uh, pull back the curtain here and let people know. Uh, every time a direct is about to air, 30 minutes before, John comes to the DM. He's like, guys, you aren't going to believe what's in this. <laughs> <laughs> he gets real not low like that. Not only is there one Metroid Prime game, not only is there two Metroid, there are going to be three metroid prime games and uh let's just say animal crossing is in this oh, yeah. one and that's, animal, oh, that's every super nes games here, on switch and, and we love the man <laughs> and one day he's gonna get these predictions right. one day <laughs> if he says it every single time like if if we keep asking for mother three eventually no, no, one yeah. day here's the thing. we will get mother three. here's the thing he's he's every other day of the week he is a very discerning 
like gentleman when it comes to rumors like he vets it but the second a direct is on the way the man goes like it's one of the it's it's like it's, a, uh, it's like a wait, cartoon cutaway where it like zooms in on his brain and his brain's like i'm off work <laughs> yeah whenever there's a direct he has to just start listening to the voice that emanates from the beanie and he can't he can't the stop it beanie. uh the be the beanie takes over and he he can't control himself please no please do just feed john some bullshit i mean honestly just layer it on <laughs> coming from you he'll believe it too so it'll be he'll be like guys you wouldn't believe this insider he's been to <laughs> we're very close we go, we go on vacations together he's been telling me great secrets okay guys we should go to bed because i'm tired and it's mm -hmm. almost friday uh let's let's wrap it up justin where can people find you on twitter buddy uh you can follow me on twitter at roboplato awesome okay how about you jeff where can people find you uh you can find me on twitter at banana factory 87 and my god i really need a new handle from my services <laughs> welcome to hell buddy we're yeah. all here <laughs> uh maddie maddie where can people find you uh at maddie underscore gregoire all right reb at doug valentine and finn at nola nerdcast and you can find me at bear claw gaming because i'm forever an 18 year old and i'm too far the brand is here and i'm stuck with it if it makes so, it feel any better zach my or email i used for so long from high school was a golden knight at hotmail.com so good. Let that one sink yeah. in. Solid. Yeah. Real solid. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we will have more content coming out over the next couple of weeks. Expect a review for Metro uh, and maybe some pre-recorded content dropping on uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, that sort of thing. Thanks so much, everybody, for, for coming and hang out. Uh, have a good weekend. Uh, take care. Good night.